Identity theft. Even just saying that gives me the chills. This is the topic of today in episode 90 with David Rubenstein. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast, the preferred podcast by many women across the globe to help you take control of your finances. Join me, Jen Hempel, a motivational money coach and your host each week as I share with you practical, simple money insights and real life stories by women like you. Let's do it. Welcome, welcome. It is episode 90, y'all, and that means 10 more episodes before we break 100. I can't believe I just said that. That is so crazy to think about. And I really thank you for being here and supporting this podcast. As you know, it really, really means a lot to me. Now, I want to remind you that this season will end with episode 93. That means that the season will end March 16th. And that also means that we only have three episodes after this one. This season has flown so quickly. So we'll take a two-week break and then we'll resume with further episodes. So I just wanted to make sure and remind you of this, or if you're a newer listener, that you are aware of this, that there'll be two weeks that will take a break, but I'll be sure to give you some actions, uh, some action steps before uh, we take that break. So you'll have something to do while we're taking that break. Now, if you want to take and give some input on what episodes I should do next season, let me know. I want to hear from you. I already have some great guests lined up for you, but remember, I also do those solo episodes. So whatever questions you may have or a specific topic that you want covered, don't be a stranger. If you're a talker like me, you can even leave me a voicemail. Now, it has to be 90 seconds or less, but I guess you can leave multiple of those. And you can do that over at jenhempel.com forward slash askjen. Or you can send me an email to support at jenhempel.com. Now, lastly, before we get started, if you haven't joined us in our community, hello, come on over. You can do that over at jenhempel.com forward slash community. Now, let's not delay to today's episode. It's a topic that is important to discuss. It's scary to think about, but we have to inform ourselves. In this week's episode, with David Rubenstein. What you'll learn about is a golden identity tip that you don't want to miss. We'll also talk about chip cards and are they worth that extra time in line? And he'll let us know what he thinks about that. And then a little known trick with Google Alerts. So let me tell you a little bit about David Rubenstein. He is a graduate of the Duke Law School and is a practicing attorney. And in his spare time, he loves to dig deep in all things personal finance. I love that. And even the fine print credit card disclosures that card issuers like to provide in a six-point font. So he really digs deep into those things. So let's not delay and let's meet David Rubenstein. Welcome, David Rubenstein, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I'm happy to have you here. Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be on the show with you today. 
Well, thank you so much. Now, I wanted to first get to know you and your money story. And then after we get to know you, I I know that you have some knowledge bombs on identity theft and fraud. So I am excited to dive into that. So you ready to dive in? Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Perfect. So tell us, David, how did you grow up around money? So share a little bit about your money story. You know, that's a good question. As I think about, you know, my life as a child, I don't think I thought about money that much at all. You know, I think other kids, you know, would do lemonade stands to get money or want to do chores to get an allowance. I didn't, I wasn't into that stuff. I didn't do it. And I don't feel like there was much I wanted to spend money on. I didn't collect comic books or baseball cards. All I really did was take books out of the library. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't really start thinking about money very much till I was in college. And then when I was in college, I thought about how little I could spend my money on food. Like, where can I eat for $5 or less? <laughs> I hate to admit, I think I was conserving as much as, as I could to have money for beer. At that point. <laughs> in college, um, yep, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, so after college, I went to law school. I happened to have graduated law school at the perfect time uh, in 1997. So I started working at a law firm in September 1997, and then by December 31st, 1997, what I thought was my initial salary had by then been increased already three times because the legal market was so hot. I think a lot of the struggles people have just after school were alleviated by me uh, having awesome timing into the job market. Awesome. And so, but with growing up, I wanted to go back just a little bit and growing up were with your family, did you, there were there, do you remember any money conversations? Uh, maybe did they sit you down at one point and teach you a little bit about money? Or do you have any memories on that? No, but that is something I have a, that's funny because I bought a book a couple months ago called Money Doesn't Grow on Trees to help coach me how to uh, talk with my own children who are eight and 10 about money and get an idea of what we should be doing with them in terms of maybe an allowance and having them think about how they use their money. You know, maybe like, oh, you should save this much, spend this much and give this much to charity. Love it. I think maybe part of it is my parents were both uh, working and working a lot and maybe there wasn't for them the time to even think about it or sit down with us about it. Got it. And do you have a proud money moment, whether it was in childhood or in college? I know in college you talked, uh, you mentioned that you were very adamant as far as looking away for a way to buy your food and spend less. And it was potentially for the beer. But <laughs> so do you have any proud money moments that you'd like to share with us? Trying to think one of my, so I still like to read, but the library uh, seems not to uh, carry the books that suit my interests, even when I search within the entire uh, county system. So I, a couple of years ago, I discovered that you could buy your books, though, used on Amazon. So I continue to read uh, voraciously, but usually for $4 or less per book, which seems like a pretty good uh, saving since a lot of these cost uh, significantly more when bought new. Right. Awesome. And I want to kudos to you for starting to teach your kids and being aware of that you need to start teaching your your children about money because that is definitely not a common thing that is taught in schools. Not it's not mandated. Some schools it is, but it's it's not uh, 
as common as, as I feel it needs to be. So I want to hear a little bit about. So you're an attorney, and what led you? Because you talk about identity theft and fraud. What led you? What led your passion towards those topics? Yeah, I think it's just a part of being able to use uh, the credit chat and credit forums websites to communicate with people on things that uh, affect them every day. And uh, more and more, it is being subject to some sort of identity theft or or fraud. In fact, when I was living uh, in Washington, D.C. a number of years ago, so this would be probably a 1999, 2000 timeframe, I remember being out with some friends of mine and uh, one of the gentlemen present worked at the FTC. And he said that in our lives, every American will be lucky if they're a victim of identity theft only one time. Crazy. So, and he said, and if you're even luckier, it'll just be a stolen credit card number. (laughs) Because on the scale of things, that's relatively easy to deal with once you discover it. Right. Right. Yeah. And banks are pretty good about that nowadays. Yes. Uh, so, um, but that is crazy to think of that statistic. Wow. That's so, I mean, that was just his conjecture at the time. Right. right? But, you know, this was even before the internet had totally exploded, before all these big hacking stories. I mean, this was still at a time when your biggest concern of losing your credit card number was the waiter at the restaurant. taking taking the number taking the number off your card or somebody going through your rubbish if you didn't shred your papers right right that's interesting so obviously he knew what he was talking about he yeah (laughs) very very interesting so tell us what would you say are your biggest identity theft tips i have a couple and i think you know i break it down into what you're doing online and then what you're doing offline so Online, I like to uh, make sure that I use a uh, unique password on every site I visit. So I use a password manager app. And so for me, uh, that's one password. I know a lot of people like, uh, I believe it's called LastPass. Mm -hmm. And personally, I think it's great because I get this convoluted, unique password everywhere I go. I don't worry if I hear that site X has been hacked. I just change my password on that one site, and I know all the others are firewalled. And I also use it to keep track of the, a lot of financial websites will ask you security questions, so you, mm-hmm. they can verify you if, if something happens, you lose your password, and you need to call in. And I've started using it to keep track of those, and where I would just pick any of the questions and provide random answers. If I say my mother's maiden name, I don't use her real maiden name, I'll use like Teddy Bear. I love that. So that you can't dig it up and it has no relation. So people do this too. People try to call in and finagle the operators. Oh, I remember it ends with a whatever, Mm. uh, my my social security number, but I can't remember the whole thing. You know, so what you're trying to do is also get those operators to think twice before accepting an answer. Like if I put teddy bear as my mother's maiden name, clearly I know my mother's maiden name. I'm trying to prevent this type of thing. Right. And I like that you brought that up because that's one thing personally, before we started recording, I was mentioning to you that I was listening to a podcast and it this really just rattled my brain that I just never thought of that. So these banks and different uh, places set those systems in place asking you those security questions just in case you 
forget your password. Right. And it completely makes sense. But it's detailed information about you, whether your mother's maiden name or a street that you lived on or where you went to high school, or it, it just varies on the questions that those hackers can little by little put together like who you are, right? And yes. and it just really rattled my brain that day when I heard that because I never thought of that. And now I'm like more wary. <laughs> so but I love that you brought up the fact that you you have certain answers that you for those questions that are not anything related, like you mentioned teddy bear and right. I'm sure you have a different name because we're <laughs> or this yes. is on a podcast, but it's just an, an example. So I love that you bring that up because I think it is definitely important uh, to consider, I don't think many people realize that or want to think about that. Because when you think theft and, and fraud, for me, honestly, it's a topic that definitely scares me like everyone else. But it's also a topic that I think, for me personally, I think it, it won't happen to me, right? right? But we know we need to be aware of it, and it can happen to anyone. I know people that it has happened to some to some extremes like where it wasn't too bad and other extremes where it was like literally their life was changed. They had to do so many things to just recuperate from that. Right. Uh, so I think it's important definitely to talk about. And I'm being honest here because I know others are in the same spot where it's a scary topic, but yet you still subconsciously think it's not going to happen to me. <laughs> but right. you have to learn about this uh, and prote to protect yourself. And I know you mentioned, so you have the online and offline ways to protect. So we talked about online. How about offline? I would say my number one advice is shred those personal documents mm -hmm. and don't leave your mail sitting in your mailbox. Um, yes. We have friends who their house is like right off the main road and the main and where we are off the main road is just right down the street from the highway exit. You know, so they've actually had their mail uh, taken from their mailbox on a couple of occasions. And so those people, they just grab it and they're, they're gone. Right. Um, and they're on the highway. And so if you're going out of town for a couple of days, have a neighbor grab your mail, have the neighbor grab the uh, newspaper off your driveway. Even if you don't subscribe to the newspaper, they have the, always the local rag that they seem to want to throw on your driveway. Just so you don't have people going through your trash or checking your mailbox. Uh, you could always go to the post office and have them hold your mail for a couple days. That works. I say to people, you know, what part of you know my strategy offline is I quote it, but I go to the you know, annualcreditreport.com website, you know, every three to four months, five mm -hmm. months, and I rotate through the three major bureaus and I pull my credit report and I make sure also that no new trade lines have been opened in my name that weren't opened by me. Right. And uh, I love Love that you bring that up too, because that's a trick that I use as a way to monitor uh, what's going on. And like you right. said, and it's a free way to do it because you, you're eligible once a year to get that credit report from each right. of those main credit bureaus. And if you just sporadically throughout the year do that and just take a quick look, you're golden. So yeah, we monitor, you know, all our bills and statements and we look for funky charges. We have. I think it's already been five times we've had one of our credit card numbers stolen, including with one card, ended up being three times in a year, That's a year crazy. and a half. So crazy. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and, and a lot of times the credit card companies pick up on it before you do. I've had the personal experience of trying to use a card and it not being accepted. And they, you call up and they said, oh, 
was shut down as a courtesy because you bought coffee by your house at 9.30 this morning, and eight minutes later, you were buying uh, prescription medications at a Rite Aid in Arlington, Virginia. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I, I somehow managed to, to drive that uh, 10 hours. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you want to monitor your own statements because you, you won't be liable for those fraudulent charges if you timely tell your credit card company. So if something was charged and a year later, you, you, you figure it out, that's not exactly timely. And you know, one thing I also say is I really like to pay by credit card not just for the rewards, but all the consumer protections, including the fraud protection. And if you have your debit card number or your debit card stolen, you know the banks will eventually put that money back in your account. But even if it just takes them 24 or 36 hours, that's kind of a big inconvenience not to have no money. Exactly. For, right. for a day. Like, I, I can't take cash out of the ATM. I, I, I run the risk of having checks not clear or payments to the credit card company not clear because it got wiped out. Um, so I really don't want my uh, debit card number out there in any way. Right. Um, and I'm glad you brought up those a couple things that I wanted to go back. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Back to, so you mentioned checking your accounts, uh, making sure that there's no crazy charges. And I'm glad you're bringing that up. One, because it's checking your, and when I talk and and teach and uh, coach my clients is I tell them the importance of of checking in with your money and seeing you know where the money's going but this it serves for just two purposes not just to see where your money's going to but just protecting yourself uh that charges that shouldn't be there <laughs> aren't happening and you also brought up the credit card versus the debit card and one thing that I want to talk to you about too is when you mentioned the credit card has different protections than the debit card but with debit card you can use it as a credit card. So let's talk about that for a little bit, if we can, where you have your debit card that's directly linked to your checking account and you use it, but you use it as a credit card. My experience is, because this has happened recently where I used it. Well, no, actually it was this time was when I used it and I was taking some money out, right? So I went to the grocery store, paid, took some cash out, not even 10 minutes later, my bank was texting me, hey, did you make these charges? Yeah. Uh, but they, and I think it also depends on the bank too, because they were gracious to put that money directly back. But right. what I also do as well that I, it helps us and, and because I'm wary of those things too, is I separate that money. There's one debit card that I use primarily. There's uh, where only a certain amount of money goes to, towards that account. So we're protected if for some crazy reason, someone uh, steals a card or whatever uses that account, they're only going to be able to use a certain amount of money. Right. <laughs> uh, so we do that too. But back to the debit credit card, if you use well, that- I, I just want to follow that up with one thing. We've sure. all very recently that a lot of banks and a lot of us choose big banks because of the convenience of their ATM locations. A lot of big banks, especially- are not always going to be customer service friendly. Looking at you, Wells Fargo. Um, oh. <laughs> are you listening? No, I'm kidding. 
I want to make sure that I'm getting this correct. So if you're using、right. the debit card as a credit card, because you have the option to put your PIN or to swipe it as a credit card,、right. do, that offers the same protect. If you swipe it as a credit card, that offers you the same protections as a regular credit card that is not attached to your bank I, account. Correct. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, okay. Well, That's every what I first every debit card transaction, you know, is going to be in a sense governed by the rules of your bank. You will be ultimately protected from fraud, but the time it takes to resolve it is not necessarily instantaneously. Whereas a credit card, you can only be liable for fraud up to fifty dollars. Gotcha.、Um, and, okay. And almost everybody just even waives that and reverses the charges immediately, or or will let you dispute charges and and.、Uh, You know, puts them in limbo while disputes ongoing. But mostly, when you're take when you take the pin out of the equation, all they're really doing is using a Visa or Mastercard network to run the transaction. Okay. I mean, it's still coming out of your account and settling by the end of the day. Right. There's no float where at the end of the statement period you'll have 20 days to pay your balance. So you don't have sort of that same. Robustness of fraud protection, in my mind. Now, for the most part, it works out well, but I, you know, you will hear horror stories about people having some sort of hack of their bank account and taking, you know, significant time to recover all their money. I don't want to imply that there's a way to use a debit card and have the same what I think of safety as a credit card. Okay. Well, I'm glad I brought that up because I know that's a question. <laughs> There's someone's、yeah. listening. They're bound to think. About so I'm glad and, that we and, talked about. I mean,、that. I know there are also great banks out there with、mm-hmm. you know very helpful customer service representatives, and a lot of people are going to have something happen and and have the problem resolved in, in you know 30 minutes after they talk to their banker. Right.、Um, they see it as like a cash replacement. It keeps them from overspending. I agree with all that. But if you have that discipline, I think you would have that discipline with the credit card also. Right. Makes sense. Now let's talk about some low cost options to protect yourself. So I know we mentioned one trick as far as getting your credit report, let's say quarterly throughout the year,、uh, from the different credit bureaus. So what other low cost options do、um, you suggest? Well, a lot of the if you do have a credit card company, a lot of the credit card companies, Chase, Citi, Bank of America, Discover, American Express, are offering FICO scores, even if it's just from one bureau. So you, you every month you can get a snapshot of your FICO score,、uh, just to see if there's any unexpected changes. If you want, you could put a fraud alert on with each of the three bureaus. Fraud alerts are free and they're good for 90 days. And the way it's supposed to work is you're supposed to be、uh, contacted before any new account can be opened in your name. Even if somebody steals a lot of your personal information, social security number, address. Make it very, very difficult for them to end up opening an account in your name,、uh, which is sort of one of my big fears. Right,、uh, right. That's you know harder to deal with. You just need to remember every ninety days to re-up it. If you're somebody who wants to, you think in the next ninety days to get a car loan or a mortgage or even open a new credit card, you might find you know a little more. Delay in that process, but shouldn't be a big deal.、Right. Uh, the credit bureau that that lender uses will contact you. You'll you'll say, "Oh no, no, I'm gonna I authorize this, and you know should all be、uh, taken care of." The some decisions that were used to being instantaneous might take a day or two instead of、uh, instead of minutes. 
but that helps. And if you want to get even more serious, you could put on a credit freeze. Uh, nothing could be opened. These do cost money to put on and to take off and require a little more management. But if you know you're not taking out any sort of loans, it's a set it and forget it. You don't have to worry about re-upping every 90 days and, and that sort of thing. Some people I know, they have Google Alert set to their name. Oh, uh, good one. That's a good trick I hadn't heard of. So their concern is sort of something shows up maybe in the public records or somebody's using their name, maybe that you know they got arrested and they have a fake driver's license in, in their name. But you know, most names, even mine, are so common. <laughs> it would be got to be a lot of work to uh, sift through the, the Google alerts. But, you know, it, it's definitely out there. You know, some people do pay for identity monitoring services, uh, which can, can run you, I think, anywhere from $10 to, to $20 or, or even a little more than $20 a month for these services. They like the peace of mind, uh, which is, you know, multi-pronged, you know, from that they're monitoring public records and the dark web for sale of your information to they're already going to provide support if you have some major hack and they have people who are going to deal with it. But, you know, some of the, the options we just previously discussed for essentially no cost get you almost all the way there. Right, right. Uh, Makes you sense. Know, no service or what you do is... Uh, really going to help you from, you know, tax identity theft where people have stolen your social security number and file a uh, false return in your name before you do and get illegal, basically steal a tax refund. However, the IRS is getting more used to that. So it's taking less time to clear up these matters than it used to. You know, then there's medical identity theft where they have stolen your medical insurance information and have undertaken some sort of procedure or gotten medical care and you get the bill. But, you know, a lot of times it's hard to prevent those things before they happen. Right. And this brings up a thought that especially for the moms listening, have you seen this happen where you have kids, of course, as a kid, right. you have your social security number, but they're not going to have any credit or anything until they're older. Have you seen those kids social security numbers stolen, and those identities being used? Is that a common thing that you know of? Or I've seen uh, several newspaper articles talking about it. Okay. But I really don't know how big it is. Okay. I was just uh, curious. It just kind of like it, sporadically came to yeah. my head. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know how, how big it is or how, how much you're, you're really seeing it. I mean, it remains still that the biggest form of identity theft still is stolen credit card numbers. Mm, okay. Which, so that's you know, the biggest which can be, you know, hacked in mass from everything from the local pizza joint to the you know big national uh, restaurant chains, but also just waiters with, with skimming devices at restaurants. I know somebody who I used to work with, uh, he went to a gym, and that night while he was at the gym, a uh, group of people broke into the men's locker room. Well, one of them, I guess, was a member. But they got into the men's locker room, opened every locker, took all the wallets, brought everything out to like a van where they copied everything and then put it all back. Wow. And then went around to local Costco's and whatever using Costco membership cards and these people's credit cards and, and buying lots of gift cards and then just disappeared into the night. So both online and offline, you know, my understanding is you know, stolen credit card numbers still remain the biggest, the biggest. way, which is why it's not a bad idea 
even if you're not a big credit card user, maybe to have two, you know, so you have a backup if you're waiting for a card, you know, I'd hate to be traveling and, you know, not be able to access money easily. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and, uh, especially, you know, if you're traveling abroad, maybe you don't want to pay a bunch of those fees from taking out cash at a foreign ATM then you might get charged. Right. Makes sense. And I'm curious what, uh, speaking of credit cards, uh, cause this is such a big topic and I've really enjoyed this conversation. What are your thoughts on the chip card? Is it more better secure or more security in that chip card? Cause that's what it was made for. Right. I don't know that we've handled the rollout very well in the United States or thought it through. And if you'll let me uh, just kind of go on for a minute. Of course. So in terms of whether we thought it through, I think what you'll see is people using stolen credit cards. There's still plenty of ability to use them at smaller retailers that haven't moved over to the chip card. And a lot of them haven't because there's significant cost in switching over. Yes. Even though they have to bear the fraud cost themselves now. But also, it's just so easy to use credit card numbers for online transactions. Good point. Um, I see offers all the time basically for digital gift cards at, at a discount sold on eBay. So, you know, how hard could it be to basically get like iTunes cards on somebody else's credit card and, and move on? Right. Um, and, right. And resell it and move on uh, very quickly. I go out, I do shopping. It takes significantly longer to process transactions. I know they're working on this. They don't ask for a PIN from you. So if you have somebody's stolen credit card where you've stolen the wallet, transaction's still going to go through until that person rec- gets that card uh, canceled. So there are several uh, major retailers I've seen because of the time it takes to process them where they haven't switched over to the chip card. They don't want their lines to be too long. Right. No, it makes sense. Uh, and I haven't, um, for me, it hasn't bothered me much the time. Right. What is confusing because it is, I mean, to be changing to the system and it's a huge project for every single merchant store, yeah. everything to change over. So you go to a store, you think it's a chip and no, it's still swipe or you think it's the swipe and it's a chip. So that's the part that for me as a consumer, I know I have to be patient, but that's the frustrating right. part because you just like never know. Is it swipe? Is it chip? What is it? Right. And uh, I think so. ultimately, I think ultimately it'll be a benefit to the big retailers who changing terminals over is kind of no big cost to them. Right. But the smaller, uh, the smaller retailers ends up being a big cost and just the way credit card processing and the multiple layers work, it ends up being a big cost for your smaller retailers who maybe aren't making the best margins or the most money, but provide something that you love. There's a benefit to chains, but I don't want everything to be a chain. Right. <laughs> if that makes sense. Right, right. It makes sense. You know, like when I'm driving along the highway and I go to uh, a rest stop and I, I sort of know what I'm getting when I go to the Starbucks at the rest stop, that's great. But when I'm by my house, I know that there's a great little local coffee shop just a quarter mile further down the road. I want to be able to take advantage of that too. Oh, makes sense. Makes sense. Well, this has been, I know we can go on and on because this is a huge topic, lots to talk about, but the conversation has to end sometime, right? Yes. <laughs> so I really, really appreciate your time. And as you know, this podcast is about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish this sentence? And I can't wait to hear what you say, being that you're male, her money matters because. 
there are a lot of different ways to go. I mean, I think of everything now as family. Her money matters because it gives you freedom to spend more time with your children. Love it. Perfect. It's always interesting uh, from the male perspective. (laughs) You know, I, I think we think a lot of things, do we save money in this area or do we spend it because it lets us have either more time with our kids or gives our kids more opportunities to do great stuff. Right. Perfect. Well, I appreciate your time, all that you shared, and it's been such a pleasure having you, David. So I hope that you're walking away with more knowledge about that scary topic of identity theft. I know I definitely learned some things. I wanted to share with you one last note to consider. But before we do that, like usual, I wanted to give you my weekly shout out to someone in our community. And this week's shout out goes to Stephanie. She is fairly new to our community and she joined us actually in the midst of our five-day budget research challenge and immediately went to work. Uh, Stephanie, I have loved that about you and your positive attitude. She's also shared that she has implemented something she has learned in the podcast and expressed what a difference it has made already. I love, love that. Well done, Stephanie, and keep it up. Now back to the discussion on identity theft. What I wanted to share with you, the note was that Checking in with your money on the regular is an added incentive with the topic of identity theft. Because the more you check in with your money, not only are you seeing how you are doing with your spending plan, but you're just making sure that all those transactions that you see look legit. Wait, am I allowed to say legit? Okay, I'm getting sidetracked there, but I wanted to stress that because I know it sure has come in handy with us, just checking in on the regular and making sure everything looks good. So that is it for today, short and sweet. But if you want to dig deeper into identity theft or other related topics, you can check out the websites that David runs over at creditshout.com or creditforum.com. And of course, I will have that linked up in the show notes as well as two articles that he has shared with me that will give more insight into our discussion today. So that is a wrap. Now, a little spoiler alert. Next week, I'll be loving on my baby nephew, Flynn Imadrid. So I'm going to be sharing with you a conversation that disappeared, actually, honest. (laughs) This is the reality. It disappeared in my inbox uh, that I had with this beautiful, beautiful uh, hearted lady named Raina Pomeroy. And we recorded our conversation while we were at a conference several months back. So that is what's coming up in episode 91. So look forward to that. And that is definitely a wrap for today. I want to thank David Rubenstein for joining us, for sharing his money story and his insights on identity theft. So be sure to check out those websites I mentioned, and you can find those linked up in the show notes over at jenhempill.com forward slash 90. Thanks again for listening. And I will talk to you next Thursday. Thursday.